You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with a Gun podcast. I'm your griot, the storyteller, the historian, your friend, and brother from another mother, Ken Blanchard. This week on episode number 522, Little Mental Floss, Principles of Defense in a Eulogy. I share some of Jeff Cooper's principles of defense and a reminder of how cerebral and mental shooting really is. Michael J. Woodland gives us some tips for getting started. And I remember and eulogize my friend, Bob Owens, in my own way. This show is sponsored by patrons like you. This is what cool sounds like. I came home the other night and the wife said, I know you haven't trained anybody in a while and uh, you're mostly working on your media stuff, but a friend of mine, one of my mentees, is about to go overseas and she failed her last qualification. She has to go overseas and she has to get um, certified and qualified with her sidearm. And I know you are a good trainer. So would you take her to the range on one of your days off? And I thought, wow, somebody got to beg me to go to the range? I must be slipping. Yes, I would do that. So I got all my range gear together and got a game plan. She called me and she said, yep, I didn't make the qualification. I had some trouble. And um, I went armed with the knowledge of what to work with. I am really, really good on the one-on-one stuff. She said she had hurt her finger. So I was already working on a plan. If we're going to change her grip up a little bit, if she had to change shooting hands altogether, we're going to work on using a non-standard hand. You know, we're going to work on that thing. And bam, off we went. Met her at the range. She was ready to go. She had her eyes and ears, and we bought some ammo and some targets and set the side to the range, and I had her just go through and dry fire. Let me see what you're working with. Show me what you're doing. And... Presentation was good. Stance was not too bad. She was on target. Grip was a little funky. Sight alignment, sight picture was really bad. Then she told me what they had told her to do with her target. And I thought, that's the problem. She had all the physical down. She had all the mechanics down. It was the mental that was jacked up. She had two or three different instructors. Each one had given her something different to, to think about, to, to worry about, to get confused over. It was all mental that was her issue. And I thought, you know what? I forgot how mental shooting is. So I decided to work on her mental stuff, her internal stuff. The coaching began. She didn't have a hardware problem. She had a software problem. It's a software problem when we don't think of ourselves as we should. When we hurt other people, when we take advantage of others. But I digress. Somebody really wise said that our mind is our primary weapon. Which made me think about Colonel Jeff Cooper, who wrote some really cool stuff back in the 70s and the 80s. Real cerebral stuff like Rob Pincus does now. Going to share with you some stuff from Jeff Cooper, who I had the opportunity to meet several times back in the day. And I'll just keep it at that for right now. But he writes, some people prey upon other people, whether we like it or not. This is one of the facts of life. It has always been so and is not going to change. The number of sociopaths in the stipulated population varies widely. But we can take a figure of one in 100 
for simplicity's sake, and not be far off. About one person in 100 will, under some circumstances, initiate a violent attack upon another, in defiance of the law, for reasons that seem sufficient to him at the time. Take the able-bodied male population of your community. Divide it by 100, and you will have a fair approximation of the number of possible contacts whom just might take it upon themselves to beat your head in. It's not pertinent to dispute the mathematics of this calculation. It may be wrong for your place and time, but anyone who is aware of his environment knows that the peril of physical assault does exist, and that it exists everywhere and at all times. The police, furthermore, can protect you from it only occasionally. The author assumes that the right of self-defense exists. Some people do not. This is for those who feel that anyone who chooses physically to attack another human being does so at his peril. In some jurisdictions, it is held that the victim of an attacker must, above all, attempt to escape. Now, this is a nice legalistic concept, but is often tactically unsound. By the time one has exhausted every means of avoiding conflict, it may be too late to save his life. Laws vary and cannot be memorized encyclopedically. In any case, we are not concerned here about jurisprudence, but about survival. If one lives through a fight, we will assume that he is better off than if he does not, even though he may be thereafter confronted with legal action. Violent crime is feasible only if its victims are cowards. A victim who fights back makes the whole business impractical. It is true that a victim who fights back may suffer for it, but one who does not almost certainly will suffer for it. And, suffer or not, the one who fights back retains his dignity and his self-respect. Any study of the atrocity list of recent years, and he names some several um, crazy people from back in the day, Starkweather, Speck, Manson, Richard Hickok, and Carrie Smith, shows immediately that the victims, by their appalling ineptitude and timidity, virtually assistant in their own murders. Any man who is a man may not, in honor, submit to threats of violence. But many men who are not cowards are simply unprepared for the fact of human savagery. They have not thought about it, incredible as it may appear to anyone who reads um, the paper or listens to the news, and they just don't know what to do. When they look right into the face of depravity or violence, they are astonished and confounded. But this can be corrected. The techniques of personal combat are not covered in this monologue. The so-called martial arts, boxing, karate, the stick, the pistol, are complete studies in themselves and must be acquired through suitable programs of instruction, training, and practice. It behooves all able-bodied men and women to consider them. But the subject of this work is more basic than technique, being a study of the guiding principles of survival in the face of unprovoked violence on the part of extra-legal human assailants. Strategy and tactics are subordinate to the principles of war, just as individual defensive combat is subordinate to the following principles of personal defense. That was part of the introduction to Jeff Cooper's pamphlet about the principles of defense. I'm going to read you a part about alertness as a part of my mental floss piece for this week. Quote, a commander may be forgiven for being defeated, but never for being surprised. End quote. This maxim is among the first to be impressed upon new lieutenants. It is equally applicable to individuals who aspire to a degree of physical security in today's embattled society. Alertness is, to some extent, an inherent personality trait, 
but it can nonetheless be learned and improved. Once we accept that our familiar and prosaic environment is in fact perilous, we automatically sharpen our senses. Two rules are immediately evident. Know what is behind you and pay particular attention to anything out of place. It is axiomatic that the most likely decision or direction of attack is from behind. Be aware of that. Develop, quote, eyes in the back of your head. Eric Hartman, the World War II German flying ace, who was unquestionably the greatest fighter pilot of all time, he had 1,405 combat missions, 352 confirmed victories. He felt that he survived because of an extremely sensitive back to his neck. And conversely, claims that 80% of his victims never knew he was in the same sky with them. Combat flying is not the same as personal defense, but the principle applies. The great majority of the victims of violent crime are taken by surprise. The one who anticipates the action wins. The one who does not loses. Learn from the experience of others and don't let yourself be surprised. Make it a game. Keep a chart. Every time anyone is able to approach you from behind without your knowledge, mark down an X. Every time you see anyone you know before he sees you, mark down a zero or an O. Keep the O's ahead of the X's. A month with no X's establishes a formation of correct habits. Observe your cat if you got one. It is difficult to surprise him. Why? Naturally, his superior hearing is part of the answer, but not all of it. He moves well, using his senses fully. He is not preoccupied with irrelevancies. He's not thinking about his job or his image, or his income tax, or on the cell phone. I'll put that in there for my emphasis. He's putting first things first, principally, his physical security. We need to do likewise. There are those who will object to the mood this instruction generates. They will complain that they do not wish to, quote, live like that. They are under no obligation to do so. They can give up. But this is a feral world. And if one wishes to be at ease in it, he or she must accommodate to it. Anything out of place can be a danger signal. Certainly anything, anyone you don't know approaching your dwelling must be regarded asconce. It's 99 to 1 that he is perfectly harmless, but will you be ready if he turns out to be that one who is not? Certain things are obvious. An unfamiliar car parked across the street for long periods with people in it who do not get out, a car that maintains a constant distance to you while you, are, while you vary your speed, young men in groups, without women, staying in one place and not talking. These things should set off a first-stage alarm in anyone, but there are many other signals to be read by the wary. Anyone who appears to be triggered out of watchfulness and into action by your appearance must be explained. Anyone observing you carefully must be explained. Anyone whose behavior seems to be geared to yours must be explained. If your explanation does not satisfy you, be ready to take approximate defensive action. A common ruse of the sociopath is the penetration of a dwelling under false pretenses. Anyone can claim to be a repairman or an inspector of one sort or another. It is often impractical to verify credentials, but merely being aware that credentials may easily be falsified is protection against surprise. The strong need only be remain watchful. The weak should take further precautions. On the street, let no stranger take your hand. To allow a potential assailant a firm grip on your right hand is to give him a possible fatal advantage. Use your eyes. Do not enter unfamiliar areas that you cannot observe first. 
Make it a practice to swing wide around corners. Use window glass for rearward visibility and get something solid between you or behind you when you pause. All this may sound excessively fertile and melodramatic, but those who have cultivated what might be called a tactical approach to life find it neither troublesome nor conspicuous. And like a fastened seatbelt, a life jacket, or a fire extinguisher, it is comforting, even when unnecessary. Needless to say, no sensible person ever opens the door of his house without knowing who is knocking. If your entranceway does not permit visual evaluation of your caller, change it. The statistics may be against a threat waiting outside, but statistics are cold comfort after you discover that your case is the rare exception. The foregoing suggestions are merely random examples of ways in which the principles of alertness is manifested. Situations are numberless, and specific recommendations can be made to cover them all. The essential thing is to be, bear in mind always that trouble can appear at any time. Be aware, be ready, and be alert. This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. The USCCA has been providing education, training, and self-defense insurance to responsibly armed Americans since 2003. Join Tim Schmidt and myself here at usconcealedcarry.com. Well, so far you've heard my voice, but I got a big friend that's hip. And next on the mic is my man, Michael. Come on, Mike, give me that tip. Thank you, Ken. And welcome to another Tips and Review segment. I am Michael Woodland of m-wtactical.com, and today we're going to discuss what it takes to start shooting for sport. Over the years, I met some interesting people in the field of firearms. Everyone I met and spoke with and instruct, I always encouraged them to go out and shoot in their community. There are various activities that go on, and the more popular are that of the IDPA and USPSA. In my opinion, you find the one that is more tailored to your style of shooting and let the fun begin. First, let's talk about what you will need to participate in one or both of these organizations. Right off the block, I can tell you that every match I've been to, it will be drilled into you. Safety, safety, safety. If it were not for the rules that are in place and those professional individuals keeping harmony running smooth, the sport would not be as popular as it is. At the same time, there will never be anyone there making fun of your skill level. There will always be people to help guide you and what it takes to run the course smoothly as well as coach you as to what you could have done better. Before you start meeting these fine people who make the sport possible, you have to get your gear in check. First, you will need a handgun. I will recommend a 9mm, but then again, you can shoot what you prefer within the rules. Next, you will need some ammo. Normally, I carry about 500 rounds with me in the event I get restarted or some unforeseen encounter. Now, 
You will need a holster that will retain your firearm. This can be a holster that can slide onto your belt or you can have a belt rig already assembled. Then you will need about two or three magazine holders. Again, these can attach to your belt holding your pants up or you can have it on your belt rig already assembled. Then you will need some decent hearing protection. This can be anything from over the earmuffs to custom moldings. Either way, it is all about safety. One of the last things you will need will be some form of eye protection. I've seen some people just wear regular eyeglasses, but you will see people wearing clear lenses to some form of shaded lenses. Once you have your checklist marked off, go out and have some fun. If you desire, carry some snacks and some water and go out and meet the people in your community who do this as a hobby or to get better proficiency for their job. I guarantee it that you will have fun. Tune in next week as we tackle another area of marksmanship for another tips and review segment. Thank you for all those who follow and support the M-W Tactical Facebook page. If you haven't done so, look us up on Facebook and hit the like button and join in on the many discussions that are taking place. We are trying to reach our goal of 2,000 likes before the end of the year. Tell your buddies to get on Facebook and hit the like button on the M-W Tactical Facebook page. If you are more into photos, follow me on Instagram at MJ Woodland, where you can get an up-close and personal involvement of my daily life and involvement at a shooting range. If you would like to read more about us, do so by going to www.m-wtactical.com where you can easily connect with us on any of the previously mentioned social platforms while looking at pictures, viewing future classes, emailing us, or even listening to the current week of the Black Man with the Gun podcast. For those who want a more direct approach, just call us at 803-250-1256 and leave a message and we will get back to you so we can discuss whatever is on your mind from shooting classes or just inviting us out to your upcoming event. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. Yeah. So one of the things that I realized this week is that shooting is a waning skill. I already knew that, but it really shows when you haven't been to the range in a minute. So I'll be doing a lot of shooting in between uh, podcast episodes and blogging to get my skills back up because I, I intend to do a lot of one-on-one coaching. There are a lot of people who need to get a little bit more training, not just me. I ain't by myself. I know what I used to do and I can't let that go. Plus I've been hoarding ammo for a minute. So it's time to rotate the crops in here and, uh, and expel some lead. Also working really hard to um, polish things up to sharpen my saw. Check out blackmailthegun.com and sign up for our new newsletter, which will be out in a couple of weeks. And the folks on that list will be the first to know about a new book that's coming out. Still working on a title. It's the Urban Shooter's Guide. And it's kind of going back to something that uh, my coach just taught me. I got, a, I got a new coach. He's working with me. He reminded me of that story that Stephen Covey told about the man who was walking through a forest when he came across a frustrated lumberjack. And I've been frustrated, believe me. The lumberjack was trying to cut down a tree with and was swearing and cursing as he labored in vain. What's the problem? The man asked. My saw is blunt and won't cut the tree properly, the lumberjack responded. 
why don't you just sharpen it? Because when I would have to stop sawing, said the lumberjack. But if you sharpen your saw, you could cut more efficiently and effectively than before. But I don't have time to stop, the lumberjack retorted, getting more frustrated. The man shook his head and kept on walking, leaving the lumberjack to his pointless frustration. This story was really relevant to me. We get frustrated by life and our inability to cope. But instead of developing ourselves and taking the time to become more effective, we'll keep struggling with that blunt saw. So don't do it anymore. And I'm not either. Stop, sharpen your saw, and become more effective. I got over 20 years in this space, and I haven't uh, cut down enough trees yet. Well, I'm working on it right now. I have seen the problem, and it was inside my head the whole time. Man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. This week on May 8th, my friend and brother, Bob Owens, editor of BearingArms.com, shot himself in a bout with depression. He was found not too long after his post on Facebook. I had just read it, and I thought, Bob, what the hell? He said, in the end, it turns out that I'm not strong. I'm a coward and selfish son of a bitch. I'm sorry. And it messed me up. But I didn't understand that that was his last post. It wasn't until that evening that a couple of friends of mine who don't normally spread rumors or factoids or, you know, that stuff. They told me that Bob had passed, that he had taken his own life not too far from his home in North Carolina. I don't like going to bed in tears, but that's how it went. About two-thirds of the people who go through with suicide are depressed at the time of their deaths. Depression that is untreated, undiagnosed, or ineffectively treated is the number one cause of suicide. On average, one person commits suicide every 16.2 seconds. Last year, the National Shooting Sports Foundation partnered with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention on an educational program for gun store and gun range staffs. They adapted a project developed in New Hampshire and copied it in a number of states in which gun store owners were provided brochures and other resources designed to help them identify suicidal customers and provide basic assistance. This New Hampshire model brought together a wide variety of stakeholders, including gun store owners, mental health professionals, and even uh, Masada Ayub was a consultant. The materials were generally well-received, though nobody really trusted this thing. The NSSF, the National Sports Shooting Foundation, addressed this concern by working with the AFSP on developing gun owner-friendly materials and branding them with the NSS logo. They're trying. But I need you guys to try a little better. In this information age, in this time when we can communicate around the world in any time, I need you to go back and just look around you. There's probably one or two people who are a little bit more quieter than others. Don't let that go. There's somebody who is struggling with something that they don't want to talk about, but you can reach them. Nobody else can. You are your brother and your sister's keeper. 
Don't let that go. Get involved. I know we are doing a lot of stuff in this your own world. You can do almost anything you want nowadays, but people are still the most important thing that you have in your life. All my vets, you know you got brothers that have some distress. They're a little bummed out of the way things are right now. Don't leave them hanging. Call them today. Bug them today. Call them an MF just like you did yesterday. Back in the field, you know what you did. You know how you hung together. You know how tight you were. Don't leave an airman, a marine, a soldier, a sailor behind. Heck, even at Coastie. And you don't have to be in the military service or be a veteran to be depressed. If you know of anybody who's a little bit too blue, a little bit too quiet, and you know about it, you hint about it, reach out and touch. I wasn't as close to Bob as I would like to have been. But I remember seeing him at least once a year at the media room at the SHOT Show. Bob would share a joke. You know how his jokes were dry, sardonic. He was, he was something else. I know he leaves behind a family, a wife named Christine, a daughter named Maya. I'm not sure what his other child's name is, but he's real. He was real to us. He was real in our life. He was a cool dude. Helen Keller is quoted as saying that nothing can be done without hope or confidence. The world doesn't have hope, doesn't make it, doesn't fabricate it. That becomes in a belief system, a faith system. For those educated brothers and sisters who don't like to uh, acknowledge or recommend or recognize the existence of God, or think of the whole thing that we say is retarded or funny or outdated or stupid, let me remind you um, of this one thing. Hope will help you see a brighter day in the darkest night. Hope will give you reason to live tomorrow, despite what's happening right now. Hope will make you look for life eternal. Hope will make you treat your neighbor better. Hope will make you stand a little taller. Hope will let you get back up again after you've been knocked down several times. Belief in a supreme being, a God, a creator of everything allows people like you and I to be on the same accord. We might be different ethnicities, religions, um, sexual preferences, all those little idioms that we separate ourselves with today. But faith is one of those things that can connect us, which makes us realize that we are really all the same. We live, we die, we grow, we learn, we fail, we succeed. We're all the same, actually. We all have the same struggles, but the difference between some of us is what we believe will happen to us and for us. Now, faith is the substance of things to hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is huge. I know how we worship separates us. I know what we worship separates us. Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's my prayer, my hope. That my words and the tone in which I'm speaking and the intention heals and helps you right now, no matter what you believe. I'd like to pray for Bob's family, his daughters, his wife. This is my eulogy to the family and to all those who understand the words that I'm saying. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. 
Hold not thy peace at my tears. For I am like a stranger with thee and a sojourner, as all my fathers were. O spare me, that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. For a thousand years are in thy sight, or as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withered. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. It is my prayer for all listening and for the family of the Owens. That we will remember to number our days. To appreciate what we have. To appreciate the time that we had with Bob. And to appreciate the life we have right now. For it is fleeting. It's okay to cry. It's it's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. Nobody likes it. But it's a part of life. So to all those who are listening. This is my eulogy for my friend. Born March 13th, 1971. Left us May 8th, 2017. I know it's tough. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe in also in me, Jesus said. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said that he was going to prepare a place for us. And if he goes and prepares a place for us, he will come again. One of his disciples, the one they called the twin, also known as Doubting Thomas, said, Lord, I don't know where you're going. How can we know? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. I know it's this Jesus piece that gets us all twisted and how we worship and how we don't worship and how we act. But it's what I believe. If you prefer something from Winnie the Pooh, let me leave with this. You're braver than you believe and stronger than you seem and smarter than you think. That was Christopher Robin's words to Winnie the Pooh. Written by A.A. Milne. There has been a GoFundMe account started for Bob Owens' daughters and his wife. The link will be in the show notes. The Bob Owens Memorial Family Fund from GoFundMe.com Remember that you are light in this world and you don't diminish when you Share your light with somebody else. Prayers and blessings go out to the family, the friends, and all those who care. Hopefully there was something I said that helped. Reminded you that you are important. That you matter. You matter to me. If you need to talk to somebody, feel free to give me a call. Hit me back on email. There are a number of links on blackmailthegun.com and how you can reach me. I'm here for you. Just in case nobody has told you this today. I love you. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Until next week, this is your friend and brother, Reverend Ken Blanchard. Shalom, baby.
Get moving Cause I'm bound to drift a while Well I'm gone Gone You don't have to worry no Long as I See the light Guess I got that old traveling bone Cause this feeling won't leave me alone But I won't, won't be losing my way No, no, no Long as I see the light Yeah, 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 yeah. Put a candle in the window. Cause I feel I've got to move. Though I'm going, gone, I'll be coming home soon. Long as I see the light. Long as I see the light. Long as I see the light. Long as I see the light Long as I see the light 